So this morning, I'm beginning a new three-week series called Fruitful. How many of us like to be fruitful in our lives? That's important, right? We want to be able to produce fruit in our lives. And there's no one that would say that even more than God himself. He wants us to be fruitful. And I'm going to go through three weeks of what it looks like to be fruitful. The very first week, which is today, I'm going to talk about prayer. Okay, let me see the yawns. Everybody yawn. Oh, no, we're talking about a prayer. Oh. And next Sunday, get ready for this. We're going to be talking about studying the Bible. Oh. Yeah. See, there are some things in our life that I think are, are basic if you're a Christian. Or maybe you're not a Christian, you're here today, and you've never heard about what it means to pray, what it means to study the Bible, that I think we take for granted. That, that I think we don't spend enough time on as believers. Because the third week, what I'm going to do, is we're going to put it together, and we're going to talk about how we walk the walk as believers, not just talk the talk. Because I see a lot of this, but not a lot of action at times. And I'm not just saying this about us as a church, but me individually. As a pastor, we can talk the talk but are we walk on the walk? And so what I want and what God wants for, for all of us is to bear fruit for his kingdom. And that's something that I'm learning also in my life. And I feel like doesn't lo- no matter how long you've been a believer or how short you've been a believer, right? we can all learn something from what I'm about to teach. So very first thing up on the screen is the fruitful definition. This is right out of Webster's Dictionary. So what Webster says is that fruitful is yielding or producing fruit. Now, we as believers can produce good fruit, then we can also produce bad fruit. And the bad fruit comes from, really what it comes from, is not having a solid relationship with Jesus. See, if I have a good relationship with Jesus, if I'm pouring into that relationship and allowing him to pour into me, then the fruit that I produce is going to be great. And it's not really me that produces it, I'm just being used by him to produce something for his kingdom. Because remember, it's not my strength. It's not your strength. It's not our abilities. It's him that works through us. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's what we learned last month, right? About the Holy Spirit being there to help us, but also to use gifts through us to be able to bless others and produce fruit for the kingdom. He also goes to say, Webster does, abundantly productive. So yeah, I'm going to produce fruit but I want to produce a whole lot of it. Amen? I mean, a whole lot of it. For those of you that are business people, you know what that means. What you want is to produce a lot of stuff that people are going to consume. And we as believers, we want to produce a lot of fruit for people that you want that are not part of the church. And it all starts with prayer. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to John chapter 15. And I was just here a few weeks ago, but I want to go back and revisit this passage because this is where we're going to start today. And if we understand that Jesus wants us to produce fruit and produce a whole lot of it and how we do it, then we're going to be effective for his kingdom. I mean, ultimately, we as believers are going to stand before God. We're going to stand before Jesus and he's going to look at all the things we've done for him. Those things that are done in love will remain. 
the good fruit. Those things that are not done in love and done for just talk to talk for our own good will be burned up. We got we to learn this. But also because I want to see all these seats filled. I want people to, to be able to experience God's presence. For those that are not yet believers to be believers. For those of us that are, to strengthen our walk with Jesus, right? So what Jesus says in verse 4 of chapter 15, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. That very first statement is relationship. That right there is the most important thing. Before we even start talking about bearing fruit, what he's saying here is the relationship is important. He said, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, that would be us, the branch, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears what? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you burned out? I mean, seriously, that's a good question. Like, I'm not talking about church burnout, ministry burnout, but are you just simply tired of life? What is your relationship like with Jesus? Because if you abide in him, then there ain't nothing that you can't do. But if you're not abiding in him, then you can do nothing. And you will burn out. Because if you're not abiding in him and you're doing nothing for him, then you're doing it in your own strength. And eventually you're going to trip and fall and burn out. So how do we do this? Well, we go down. I'm going to go into John chapter 10, verse 30. What Jesus said was, I and the Father are one. He said, I and the Father are one. There is something about that oneness that he and God the Father experienced. And listen, if we look through the Gospels, we can see the track record, right? We can see all the things that he has done. And there is no way he can do that. All those things, those miracles, those signs, those wonders, the resurrection. There's no way he could have done any of that unless he and the Father were one. So how do we become one with Jesus? Ultimately, that's what prayer is about. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, he said, pray without ceasing. All right, how many of you, when you hear that, You're like, oh boy. You mean to tell me I need to get on my knees and pray without ceasing? You mean to tell me I need to lock myself up in my prayer closet 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and pray without ceasing? Do you mean I need to say grace over my meal and pray without ceasing? That's not what he's saying here. This is the third shortest verse in the Bible. But it's probably, in my opinion, one of the most important. This right here is how we become one with Jesus. This is how we're able to abide in him and he in me. And then I can bear fruit, not just for his kingdom. I mean, listen, can I be honest with you? I know we, we talk about bearing fruit. We all, we're thinking about, oh, the number of people I got saved. 
or the number of people that I invited to church that came here, or the number of people that I laid hands on and they got healed. No, you got people that are looking at you right now, that are in your life, that, that are watching you, that know you're a Christian and wanting to see how is that person's life. And, and they're going to judge that life of yours to determine whether or not they're going to follow Jesus. So it's not just about fruit for God's kingdom. It's fruit in your life. Like, how's your marriage going right now? You want that to be fruitful, right? What about your financial situation? The same thing. What about your business or your job? See, the key to being fruitful in our life, not just for God's kingdom, but also personally in our life, is being one with Jesus. And I think some of us hear that, and that's extremely intimidating. Well, that means I got to be a pastor of a church. No, that's not what it means. That means I got to be the Pope himself, right? No, that's definitely not what that means. No, there is something that's very practical that we're going to get into here in a minute that I think you're going to see. So with that, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for the church here today. I just thank you for those watching online. Father, thank you so much that we're able to dive into your word today and be able to see this thing that we, we often talk about as believers called prayer, be able to see what it means to pray without ceasing, to be one with you and one with Jesus. Father, I ask right now that the Holy Spirit just fall in this place, that we have ears to hear today and open hearts to receive, and I pray this right now in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to tell you something funny, and my wife's going to cringe when I tell you this. You ready for this, honey? So... There, there have been times in our marriage where she has caught me talking to myself. Am I right? And she always asks me, why are you talking to yourself? Now, how many of you talk to yourself? I just, oh my, see, see that Lisa? You see? All right, so I am not crazy. Thank you. No, there, there's at least 80% of those in here that raise their hands. So, anyway, do you want to know, and, and I'm not saying this to be holier than thou, but in my mind, what I'm thinking is I'm talking to God. I mean, it, it's, it's completely acknowledging that I am not alone, even though I'm alone. Pray without ceasing. So those of you that are doing that, if you haven't made that switch in your mind, saying this is not just between me and the air, as Paul says, boxing in the air, you know, I'm just doing it for, for nothing. No, if you can make that switch in your mind and say, no, this is, this is me talking to Jesus. This is me sighing and saying, you know, what's going on? Or, or you know, oh, I really need some help with this. Or, you know, I, I'm going through this right now and is this ever going to end? I mean, these comments that we kind of make when we're talking to ourselves, this is the kind of comments that, in my mind, at least I'm thinking I'm talking to Jesus. And that's what I've done in my heart. And, it, and it's something that I do. <laughs> no, am I ashamed to admit this, honey? I don't know. It's something I do quite a bit, actually. And what that does is it brings, it brings a sense of reality to my relationship with him, to my walk with him. 
It is reality, but see, what I'm doing is I'm acknowledging that reality. And it allows me to open that door to hear back from him. And so what I've done is I went ahead and started looking up instances in the Bible where there are men of God that prayed without ceasing. So let's take a look at one of them, Moses. Moses and Pharaoh. Like Moses had to be always praying, always connected to God so that he could deliver the people from Egypt. David and Goliath. What do you think David was doing when he was tending sheep? Praying. Had this connection with God. And then he faced this giant and, as we know, defeated Goliath. Daniel in the lion den. Part of the reason why Daniel was persecuted was because he prayed, even though King Nebuchadnezzar didn't want him to, or was actually tricked into forming this law that forbade the Jews to pray to God. Daniel prayed a lot, and that was why he was able to defeat the lions in the lion den. How about Jesus and our sin? We're going to get into him in a minute as far as how much he prayed without ceasing. He was able to go to the cross and be the price for our sin. These men's prayer life is demonstrative of what we as believers need to cultivate. We need to talk to ourselves a lot more, if I can use that, that terminology. If you're in a situation right now and you see the impossibility of what, what it is that needs to happen, well, we serve a God who is the God of the impossible. So if that's the case, and we really believe that, then why aren't we talking a whole lot more to him? The reason why is because we're Americans, we're microwave generation people, we want to stick a bag of popcorn in and let it pop, and have popcorn in about a minute. Like, we want that to happen, what we want, what we need, right here and right now. And what God's more interested in is the walk, the relationship. And let me tell you something, I've gone through some things in my life, to where it didn't happen when I wanted it to, but there's something about knowing that God knows because I'm spending time connecting with him throughout the day, acknowledging him throughout the day. There's something very comforting in knowing that he knows what I'm going through. And if it takes a year, if it takes three years, however long it takes, that I know that promise is going to be fulfilled and I feel comforted because I know he's in control and he knows exactly what I'm going through. And to allow him that opportunity to know by me praying to him, by me talking to him, what it does is it highlights in me that I know that he knows. He already knows. But when I say something to him, he knows. And I know that he knows. So what does your prayer life look like? Is it confined to an hour a day in the prayer closet? And you walk out of there thinking you're all that in a bag of chips. You don't think about Jesus at all through the day. You don't say anything else. Well, I've done my hour in the prayer closet. I've done my 10 minutes a day, like I've said from here. I spent some time in the Bible. Do you even have a prayer life? Is it only when things are going out of control or you're hitting a rough spot in your life? I'm not saying this to condemn. I'm saying this because 
We are human. And it's only natural for us to go to him in prayer if there's something wrong. But when we're on a mountaintop or living the highs in our life, we don't even think about them. And I think whether you're a young believer or a seasoned believer, wherever you are in between, maybe you're not a believer, I think we all need to recognize the fact that without that connection, then there's no way we're going to be able to do life. So I want to go to Jesus. I want to go to him right now, and I want to look at the instances where the Bible notes that he prayed. So I'm just going to go through these verses beginning in Matthew chapter 14. You can just pay attention to the screen. You don't have to flip to your Bibles. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Matthew 15, verse 29, Jesus went up from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. Mark chapter 6, verse 32, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Mark chapter 6, verse 46, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Luke chapter 4, verse 42, and it, when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Luke chapter 21, verse 37. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olives. John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the mount of Olives. I highlight this. These are all the verses where the Bible is very specific in the Gospels when Jesus went away to pray. It's not necessarily that he went away to pray, but where? Where was he? A desolate place or on the mountain. Does that describe your life right now? I got a picture of a desolate place that's going to come up on the screen. So when I went to Saudi Arabia when I was in the army. This is a picture from our perimeter. So in front of there, you probably can't see it, but there's some Constantino wire, and out there is a whole lot of nothing. When I think of a desolate place, when I think of me and my life in a desolate place, that's what I think of. There's no life. It's, it's, it's just a place where, where I want to get out of desperately. And see, there are times when Jesus went to a desolate place because he was in a desperate situation. When he was driven into the wilderness to face the devil, mano on mano, boy, he was in a desolate place. When he learned that John the Baptist was beheaded, his friend, he went to a desolate place. But there's also the mountaintops. And this is a picture from a trip I took recently with Lisa. So this is Grandfather Mountain in North Carolina. That was a picture that I took. And all I could think about was, this is where I want to be. I don't want to leave. This is the highs in our life, right? Things are going good. Man, the more that I walk with Jesus, the more that I have followed him in my life, the more 
that I find myself somewhat in those desolate places than I do so on the mountaintop. And, and that's okay. I think we all go through trials and tribulations. They're promised to come to us, right? But that's where I want to be. But see, whether Jesus was on the Mount of Olives or he was in a desolate place or if he was somewhere in between, he was always praying. Whether it was the good times or the bad times, he was always praying. He didn't stop when he came down off the mountain. He didn't stop when he was off out of the desert and away from the devil when he defeated the devil in the wilderness. He always was praying. And the fruit that came out of his walk was tremendous. Can I get an amen? It was tremendous. So there was one day, the disciples and Jesus were all camped out around a fire. This is where the Bible picks up. Luke chapter 11. This is where I do want you to turn. If you would turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. So as they're sitting around the fire... This goes back to show you that Jesus was praying without ceasing. You see, you could be here right now in this group of people, and you could be praying without ceasing. In other words, your mind right now is on God's word. Your mind is on whatever it is that you need help from him about. Your mind is somewhere. Hopefully, it's not on lunch. But see, you are because you are acknowledging him, because you are listening to his word right now from me teaching you you, you are, in sense, you are connected to him. That's prayer. So Jesus is sitting here in, with all the, his disciples, and they're watching him pray. How many of you can pray with somebody watching you? It's kind of awkward, right? But see, the point being is he was there, and he was connected to the Father. And they could tell. They could see. And the one question they ask him Lord, teach us how to pray. Will you? Because whatever you're doing there, we see the fruit of it. That's, we, we want to know how to do that. Like, they were actually smart. It wasn't, Lord, teach us how to heal somebody. Lord, teach us how to cast out a demon. Lord, teach us how to preach like you do. Where the Bible says that People have never heard preaching or teaching like that before. No, it was teach us how to pray. And I think that's amazing. How many of you have had anything you could ask of God would be, can you teach us how to communicate with you? Probably not. But they realize that an effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. They, They could see that. They saw that in action. And see, that's what I think we as a church, we need to see that, that availeth much happen in our lives, not just for the kingdom, but us personally as well. And what's going to happen is if we can learn and understand that our prayer life is connected to that, then things are going to be really taken off in our life. So, Lord, teach us to pray. So the next couple of verses, verse 2 through 4 in Luke chapter 11 is the Our Father. How many former Catholics do I have in here? 
So our Father, next to the Hail Mary, those are the two prayers that we prayed a lot. You see those rosary beads? You ever see somebody pull out a rosary? Cross on the, on the, on the end of it, and all these beads. Hail Mary, our Father. Hail Mary, our Father. Hail Mary, our Father. The our Father, yeah, we can say it. But what Jesus is saying here, what he's about to say, which I believe what I'm going to say to you, I believe will change your perspective in prayer. It's more about the heart behind our prayer life. So this is what he said. He goes, when you pray, tell him, say this with me, when you pray, when you pray, because you're going to. The point being, we're always praying. He said, Father, the very first word, Father, that denotes relationship. Like when I'm talking to God and I'm at that, my mind is, when I'm talking to myself, is clicking over to, I am talking to God. He is my Father. What Jesus is saying here is the relationship aspect. Again, the whole thing he said in John chapter 15, abide in me and I in you. Very first thing before he even talks about bearing fruit. Very first thing he's telling his disciples here is relationship. Acknowledging the fact that God is your daddy God. He is your father. What happens here, when we begin to pray and and have that attitude, then there is a sense of validation. Does that make sense? Like, I have a loving father, no matter what your earthly father relationship is like or was like. God, the Father, loves you. He loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you. He loves you so much, he sent his spirit to live in you when you become a believer. He loves you so much that there's that validation. And if we as believers can connect in that way and know that he is our Father and that he loves us, then we're not going to go chasing something else to validate us. Because when we start to do that, forget about being fruitful. Forget it. That validation does not come from your friends. It can. That validation does not come from your job and how well you're doing. I can speak from experience. Climbing the corporate ladder should not validate you. Because when you lose it, where's your validation? It's in the can, right? That validation comes from the fact that I serve God who loves me unconditionally. So the very first thing Jesus says is that when you pray, remember the relationship you have with your Father. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. So have this loving relationship, but now I'm here, I'm here to exist. I exist here to glorify you. I exist here to realize that you are God and I am not. We love to be our own gods, don't we? We love to make other things God. We have idols in our life. Social media, gaming, Netflix, Alcohol, pornography, relationships, job, 
we make things idols. And what Jesus is saying here is when you pray, know that you need to be humble and come before him and say, you know what? You are God, not me. Not things or stuff. You are. So I have a loving father who is God, which means he can take care of me. He goes on, your kingdom come. When you hear that, what do you feel like? When you know that Jesus is coming back, I mean, we've talked a lot about that here in this church. During Advent and during a series I did a few months ago, Jesus is coming back, amen? His kingdom is coming. So if I am hopeless in my life right now, if I'm going through something that I'm having to pray to God about right now, what's going to keep me grounded, what's going to bring hope back into my life is acknowledging the fact that his kingdom is coming. So now I got this, this, this solid foundation. A loving father who is God, who can do anything, who is in control, and who is coming back for me. Now I'm off on a good, good start, amen? He goes on, give us each day our daily bread. How many of you need some daily bread right now? You know what that is? Strength. I need strength right now. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the next day. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the next week, the next year, the school year, whatever the season that you're in right now. I need his strength daily. And yeah, it could be his word. It could be, again, my connection with him in prayer, where he gives me the gift of faith, gives me hope. Whatever it is that I need, he's going to give it to me daily. But see, I got to connect with him. How am I going to receive from God, the loving Father, who can do the impossible, whose kingdom is coming, if I don't even acknowledge he's there? I need him daily. I need his strength. He says, forgive us our sins, in verse 4. Forgive us our sins. This is a reminder that we're going to mess up. To me, when I see this, I'm encouraged because I still mess up. Like, I have an opportunity to go to the advocate, my advocate, the Father, and say, listen, I know you're for me. Look, you sent Jesus to die and take care of all my sin, past, present, and future, but I still mess up, and I need you to forgive me. Why burden yourself with guilt and condemnation when you can go to the Father and give it to him because he's already taken care of it through Jesus? So here's the thing is, he goes on to say, and we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. So not only are we reminded in our prayer time that, that he forgives us, but that we need to forgive others. And you want to know what can hinder your fruitfulness? Unforgiveness. Because where does unforgiveness lead to? Bitterness, resentment, hate. Our prayer life allows us to realize we're forgiven, but also to forgive. And the very last statement is, and lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. We have to understand that God has a plan for our life. And that plan ain't to lead us into sin. That plan is to lead us to a prosperous, bright future. Plans not to harm us, but to prosper us. Ultimately, what 
the pattern is here is trust. I trust you in my life. So if you're in here today and you're a believer, you're in Christ, you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, then what you're saying is, I trust you with my life. This is our pattern of prayer without ceasing. This is the fruit of our relationship with God. Fruit that is validation. Fruit that is humility. Fruit that is hope, strength, forgiveness, and trust. This fruit should be imprinted on our heart. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Acknowledging him throughout the day and having this pattern on your heart, knowing these things as you pray to him, knowing that you're going to a loving father who's in control, who forgives you so that you can forgive, who is coming back for you, who is there to give you strength every day, that pattern ingrained in your heart, ingrained in your soul to where when you are going through life, you're consistently tapping in to him. That is who he is. Trusting, validating, loving, affirming, strengthening, mercy, grace. That there's nothing you can't do. The praying without ceasing is not a continuous conversation. Because when we think of prayer, we're thinking about putting our hands together, beginning on our knees, and saying something. No, praying without ceasing is a heart pattern that acknowledges God continuously throughout the day. And sometimes it might require you talking to yourself. So, what I struggle with as I'm closing, what I struggle with is trying to bring this down to a practical application for everybody. And I, by no means, am perfect at my prayer life. I'm not. When I am, how can I say this? What I do feel like that I am good at, and I use that term very lightly, because I don't want to come off as being not humble. Because I am an introvert, because I've gone through a lot in my life, because I've had seasons in my life where I was bullied as a kid, I, I, need, I need God in a way to where I know he's there. And so it just comes naturally for me to connect with him and, and verbalize things to him throughout the day. Does that make sense? So the only season that, that I really feel that this praying without ceasing was very strong in my life was when I was a drug rep. And now I've mentioned this before. I was in pharmaceutical sales. And who, who are doctors in here? Anybody in doctor in here? Doctor. All right. Do you guys see reps still? Yeah, okay. I was one of those annoying people. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Their time is valuable. Trust me. I, I just, I had a lot of time to myself. And, and for me, it was simply just acknowledging when I was by myself, that's when I was able to acknowledge Jesus consistently throughout the day. And as I just said, we can do that too with people, right? I mean, Jesus did that with his disciples. That's how they saw him praying. That's why they asked him, hey, teach us how to pray. But for me during that season, 
the more that I acknowledge him throughout the day, this praying without ceasing, the more I started to see fruit bear in my life. The more that my doctors wrote my drug, <laughs> the, more, the more that people would just show up near my car and I would pray for them, like some weird stuff that only God could do. Like, just, I don't know how else to explain it. The one thing that I put my finger on that causes me to pray without ceasing is knowing my purpose. Because the whole time I'm driving around three and a half states selling my stuff, the whole time I knew my purpose was not to sell pharmaceutical drugs. My purpose was simply to love God and love people. If that's ingrained in you, if you truly are taking up the great commission that Jesus has given us, then you default automatically to praying without ceasing. You just do. But the problem is we get so caught up in our lives and being busy that he's the furthest thing from our mind. And I think during that season of my life when between doctors and sometimes I had hours, man, I got, went into rural Oklahoma, rural Arkansas, rural Missouri. Sorry, there's some strange things out there. Plenty of times where I've had hours to myself. And I was blessed with that season. But see, the discipline comes when we're busy. The discipline comes when we got people always around us. That we have to know our purpose, that we're here to love God and love people. And if we are diehard living our purpose, then default is connection with God without ceasing. I want to tell you one more story and I'm going to close. When I was a kid... I had a cat. How many cat people do I have in here? Yeah. So, now I had a man's cat. Let me just put it that way. His name was Oscar. He was a grouchy cat. That's why he was named Oscar. And you know what? He wasn't one of those prissy indoor cats. He was an outside cat. Only came in at night to sleep and be fed. But every day, when Oscar would come on our deck and come to our back door, when he came back from his day outside, guess what he brought with him? A little present. Nine times out of ten, it was a bird. But see, that was his way of connecting with, with me with our family. Because what we learn is he did it in love, but he was exercising his purpose. So, in my craziness, because you know you guys know now that I'm crazy because I talk to myself, um, my, mind, my mind goes to that cat, and come on, cats are selfish. Can we just be honest? I mean, I don't know why I'm thinking this, but my cat loved us so much 
that throughout the entire day he was fulfilling his purpose. His mind was always on us. I got to catch that bird so I can bring it back to my home and show love for my family. Are you getting the picture? If we're out there fulfilling our purpose, loving God, loving people, we're always going to be connected to him and we're always going to be bearing fruit. Things just happen to work out. For those of us who love God and are called according to his purpose, everything's going to work out. It just is. So if you're in a place right now and things are not working out, then start talking to him more. Start acknowledging him more. Start understanding your purpose to love God and love people. Start being nice to people again. I think for the most part, when you guys were walking in this morning and I was outside greeting you, I think I was being nice to you. It's because I love you. Like that's our purpose, right? And if we're doing that consistently and we got that ingrained in us, then, then you're going to be praying without ceasing. And you're going to see the fruit. There isn't a religious ceremony that goes into praying. You don't have to say, Lord, praise you. Today is so beautiful and I just pray. You know what? Just talk to him. Man, Lord, I got this test today and I don't know how I'm going to pass it. Just talk to him. And realize your purpose is to love God and love people. How can you do that? Before Before I get into that, I got to get the worship team up here. I'm really off. So, big idea is this. If you're taking notes, the most important fruit you will ever bear in your life comes from praying without ceasing. That's the most important fruit. If you can do this, you're golden. I'm not saying you're never going to have a hard day. I'm not saying you're ever going to not have a trial or a tribulation that you're going to go through. Tribulation being a fam- fancy word for Everything's going to heck in a handbasket. But if you can do this, then fruit will come. And sometimes it takes a little while, but that's why it's a relationship. And that's why it's a walk of faith. When you go to the stoplight and the light turns red, especially out here in this annoying intersection that's being redone, Right? Hey, it's going to be awesome when it's done. I promise. But right now, you sit at that light for a long time. Instead of cursing the light and the person that's about ready to rear-end you from behind, start praising Jesus. Every stoplight you come to this week to get you in that habit, say something to him. Just say something to him. When you pull your phone out, listen Students, youth, young adults, all of you going through the whole be real thing, snapping all the time. Every time you pull your phone out, say something to God. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Your prayer life just took off because I know you pull your phone out 500 times a day. When you begin your day, when you wake up, I know some of us are holier than thou. The first thing that comes out of my mouth when I wake up is praise Jesus, right? No. It's probably, oh, I wish I could sleep another hour. During your commute, take that time. 
come on, we live in Broken Arrow. You don't live in New York City. Your commute's probably 20 minutes. Take that 20 minutes time and just say things to him that's on your heart. If you're in pain, emotionally, physically, every time that pain hits, tell God how you really feel. Or maybe, maybe you're on a mountaintop, everything's going great. Every time you feel that, that high, that things are going well, just say, Lord, here I am. Whatever it is you need me to hear, just speak it, and I, I will do whatever. It's just that simple acknowledgement.